the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor, and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, coming at you on AM860, The Answer. And our website is easy to get to, am860theanswer.com. That's am860theanswer.com. And you can listen to me live. Just click listen live, 9 to 10 a.m. every Sunday morning, Eastern Standard Time, anywhere in the world. So I'm your international Dr. Bill. We're also an iHeart station. So if you've got a smartphone, you can pick me up during the same hours. And we are interactive talk radio, although... I'm guessing that a lot of people don't want to stop me once I get going. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We are at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. I do try to stick to, with one topic, but occasionally we get off on a tangent. And if you're a little shy about speaking on the radio, you can always ask Bill to ask me a question or make a comment. And again, that's 877-969-8600. Well, this morning, first, I wanted to say that I understand what the president means when he speaks, but I don't think that most of the world does. And I'm uh, here and offering to help him prepare for when he goes into public and his question is off the cuff. He needs a little, a little sharpening up because I don't think that he's malignant. I just think that he is not an off the cuff public speaker. And having said that, I'll leave it at that. Uh, I fully condemn the violence on both sides of the equation for this Charlottesville uh, situation. And also I uh, want to point out that this was pretty much a setup where you have paid left-wingers coming in to disrupt the white supremacists who are speaking or trying to speak, and I'm, I'm not for their message. I'm anti that message, but the bigger issue here is First Amendment rights. Now, if you get a permit to speak and you're not doing anything other than espousing your opinions, last I checked, that was still okay. So we need to balance out the message with our First Amendment rights. And we may not always like what we hear. We may even 
feel that we should do something to stop it completely. And certainly we have those modalities available to us, both in the voting booth and in our public lives and in our hiring and firing practices, if you're a business owner, and in our interpersonal relationships. But I, I, I don't think that the president is being malignant. I do think that he needs some help with his verbiage, and I'm here if he needs me. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Now, I want to talk this morning about a personality disorder called antisocial or sociopathic or the tail end of that psychopathic personality disorders. Talking about personality disorders on the radio is tough because we all have traits of different personality disorders. That doesn't mean that we're personality disorders. It doesn't mean that we have that uh, psychiatric or psychological diagnosis hung around our necks. We all have different aspects of our personality, some positive and some negative, some functional, some dysfunctional, but that doesn't mean that we're in that state all the time, and there is a difference. Certainly there's an express difference as well as hard diagnostic and imaging differences that we can pick up. But I want to talk about antisocial personality disorders, and I want to apply this to North Korea and to Kim Jong-un, and I think it'll be helpful for all of us when we realize that we, we really can't deal with somebody like this the way you and I would sit down at a table and have dealings and talk to one another. The history of the North Korean army goes back to World War II when Mao was leading the Chinese against the Japanese who had invaded northeastern China. And the Koreans were under the thumb of the Japanese, and so the Koreans uh, were, some of the men were impressed into service. They were conscripted and became soldiers in the Japanese army. And about a thousand of them, along with Kim Jong-un's grandfather, uh, deserted from the Japanese army and joined Chiang Kai-shek, not Chiang Kai-shek, but joined Mao. uh, And Mao led the communist revolt in China that helped push the Japanese out and created the state that they have today. So the mold for the 1,000 or so defectors from the Japanese army was from an army that was performing antisocial behaviors and activities, spearing, uh, throwing infants up in the air and spearing them with bayonets, using nerve gas, uh, performing horrendous experiments on the Chinese, and the rape of Nanking is still spoken about today in history books. And so we have a group of, of men, of soldiers, with a leader who were molded in an antisocial behavioral pattern that the Japanese were practicing. You say, well, what is a personality disorder? Well, personality disorders are wide-ranging, and they interfere with social relationships, and they interfere with people's ability to regulate their moods. People who are personality disorders, they understand right from wrong. They don't have... uh, delusions uh, per se, they don't hear voices, their thought processes are not disrupted, 
but they're different in the way that they express those processes and in the way they behave and interact with you and me. Their patterns of perception and thought and responses to situations are generally fixed. They're not flexible. And although they can put on a face to meet the public, the behavior is often unpredictable when stressed. And they deviate markedly from the social behaviors and social norms that you and I expect from each other when we go out into public or even in, an inter, in our relationships at home. And this has to, the personality disorder has to really interfere with social and job-related functions, interpersonal relationships, and it's broken down into a, a, a cluster, several clusters of personality disorders, and we'll, we'll focus on the antisocial today and see if we can tie this to the behavior that we see in, in a leader like Kim Jong-un. Now, the classic, which we're not allowed to talk about anymore uh, when we were in child psychiatry, was that we looked for bedwetting, fire setting, and cruelty to animals. And those three behaviors in children, we would immediately start investigating for antisocial personality disorders. Of course, the, the uh, psychologists and psychiatrists now have liberalized, and they don't like using uh, that kind of uh, investigative technique, and they don't want to call someone an antisocial personality disorder until they're in adolescence or adulthood. Now, you can have all these signs and symptoms earlier on. There are episodes of violations of the law repeatedly, lying and deception even when there's really no reason to, physical aggressiveness and uh, impulsivity, reckless disregard for the safety of others as well as oneself, irresponsibility, lack of remorse, and this is a big one, uh, no real empathy for other people in terms of what they're going through when they have a painful uh, or emotionally distressing situation, no, no connection. Most of us will see a movie, uh, some will like the girls' movies and some of the boys' movies, and they'll be sad, and people will react by crying or feeling down or feeling sorry for the protagonist, and this is normal. This is the way we're supposed to react. We're supposed to feel the pain I hate to use Bill Clinton's words, but we're supposed to resonate with the pain of the person who is in distress. So I do this. I see people who are injured on TV in a show, and I cringe. And I'm sure that you do, too, in certain situations. And uh, tearjerker movies, uh, love stories, a lot of the women cry, uh, the guys or upset and cry when there's a, a great hero who is killed or, or taken out of action, and we all feel, oh, that's terrible. But the antisocial or sociopathic personality disorders don't have those reactions. They don't feel that. And we've seen leaders before who were antisocial or sociopathic. You think about Hitler. Uh, he's certainly well-known to most of us, through our studies of history, and the English predicted that as the war turned against him, 
his emotions would intensify and he'd have increased outburst, uh, temper tantrums, yelling at people, firing his generals, and he did all of that. Public appearances would become much rarer, unable to face criticism, and that the personality he represented would not surrender or capitulate and would not negotiate peacefully. Sound like anybody we know now? He saw himself as an ideologue who would represent some immortal figure of Nazism and fascism, and that he would leave on the world his mark, his antisocial behavior, because he despised it. He had contempt for the world. And the British even predicted that he would commit suicide in the face of defeat. Uh, even though he has an or had an inordinate fear of death, as most sociopaths do, and that's why when they commit a crime, they oftentimes will not give the full details, so they have a bargaining chip, especially if it's a, uh, a capital offense that can result in execution. They don't want to die. And we saw the same thing with Saddam Hussein. Instead of facing the music, he fle- he fled and he hid. So if you flee and hide after you know you've done something immoral, something wrong, then we have to take a look at you and say, is this just another part of your sociopathic personality disorder? Yep, it probably is. 99% of us are not sociopaths. Yes, there are times when we don't have any empathy for somebody else. And we say things like, well, he deserved it, or she got what was coming to her. Even if it was painful, or if it was uh, emotionally distressing. And we may have even gone through the same thing in the past, but in that situation, we may feel differently for that one incidence. But that doesn't make us antisocial or sociopathic. This is a persistent, pervasive way of looking at the world and reacting to people and situations and it doesn't change and that's one of the problems with personality disorders is that we don't really have any medications that can cure these people we're not even sure all of the elements that come into play when an antisocial personality is formed the behavioralists feel that it's almost always abuse and neglect in some form or another, or exposure, personal exposure to violence or emotional neglect early on. And we know that all the serial killers who are the tail end of sociopathy, sociopaths don't care how they affect other people when they lie, cheat, steal. The psychopaths, which is an iffy word to use, but the extreme end of antisocial behavior is to derive pleasure from hurting other people or killing other people or having control over other people. And there's some joy in that for the psychopaths and the sociopaths to a certain degree, but we don't normally equate sociopaths in the layman's terms with the serial murderers. We like to use the bigger words, psychopath. So we have a bunch of serial killers that we have profiled over the decades, John Gacy, Ted Bundy, Jeff Lee Dahmer, 
these are three of the more recent and more well-known of the antisocial psychopathic serial murders. Jeffrey McDonald up in Canada. I think he was in Canada. At any rate, so we've got three or four people here. All of them, all of them had abuse and or neglect, physical and or emotional, in their childhood. And this is undoubtedly a large part of how they become the person that they are, the people that they are, the pathology that they display. Now, is there a genetic predisposition? Well, the people who are dealing with this would say, yes, there probably is, but we're not sure what it is because behavior is on so many different genetic markers in, in our body, and it, it's often not expressed until certain stressors or certain events happen in our lives that will trigger a response. And whether it's healthy or unhealthy depends in part on what the trigger is, whether it's love and hugs and kisses or uh, being beaten with a belt and told that you're no good. And we even see the brain of these folks undergoing changes, and we can use the dynamic MRI scanner or the PET scanner, and we can see that different parts of the brain light up in different sets of populations, so that in a normal population, let's say that the area that deals with emotions shows increased blood flow. When we give somebody something emotionally charged to read or look at, whereas with the sociopaths, we don't see that area light up the way we do in normal people. Is this inherited, or is this something that was turned off because of the way that these people were raised or abused or misused over the uh, early parts of their lives. I got interested in this several years ago, actually about 45, 50 years ago when I was in medical school, and I took extra courses in psychiatry, and I, I took a course uh, a semester uh, at the Bingham Child Guidance Clinic in Louisville, Kentucky, which was fairly well known. And I also picked up a book called The Mask of Sanity, and that was a fascinating uh, book that was written by a physician named Cleckley in the early 1940s. And he based it on, at least ostensibly, on the patients that he had worked with that were antisocial or psychopathic or whatever moniker you want to put on them. And at that time, a lot of people with this kind of behavior problem were either in jail or they were in institutions set up by the state and the federal government. Well, I started my medical practice in Hilton Head in a, a building that was a multi-specialty clinic, and you'd rent an office and an exam room. And, and there was a, an old psychiatrist who was right next door to me in, his, in the office inside the building, and I started talking with him, and his name was Thigpen, T-H-I-G-P-E-N, Thigpen, which is a, a southern, southern name that uh, goes way back. And so we started to talk about the mask of sanity. And he said, well, you, and by the way, Dr. Thigpen, who was his brother, at least that's what he told me, was instrumental in writing this book, The Mask of Sanity, about antisocial behavior. 
And this Dr. Thigpen told me that actually the book was based on his brother who was in practice with Dr. Cleckley, and he was a sociopath. And so it was interesting and fascinating to see that even in medicine, there are people who have little regard for personal feelings of others and for how they affect others. But if there's money or gain in it, I guess you could be motivated. Usually people like this cannot function. So he probably had a lot of the traits of a sociopath, but was not a full-blown sociopath. Now, we look at somebody like Kim Jong-un, and we're looking at somebody who displays classic sociopathic behavior, disregard for others, uh, cruelty, um, kills his own family members, uh, has generals killed, sets up and endorses concentration camps, and even the United Nations Commission on Human Rights has cited North Korea in the, in the past few years recently and has said that there is slavery, sexual abuse, uh, starvation, uh, forced labor, and all these things are going on in the name of a nation state of North Korea under the auspices of Kim Jong-un and his people. So can we deal with them? That's the big question. We need to know, are these people that we can actually sit down and negotiate with? By the way, most sociopaths, overwhelming majority, are males, men, but we've had a few females creep into it. There was a woman named Diane Downs who wanted a man who didn't want her children, so she murdered the kids. And there was a woman named Deidre Hunt who played an equal role in the torturing and murdering of a young man, and it was videotaped. And these things are rare in women, but they do happen. And how do we spot a sociopath? Because that's important. It's important that we know what we're looking at when we see somebody and interact with them. And I can't tell you how many nurses I know have married sociopaths and have obviously tried to fix them, and they can't. So we have somebody who has disregard for the feelings of others, lack of remorse or shame when they do something wrong or something socially unacceptable constantly trying to manipulate other people and their behavior, egocentricity, uh, we call that narcissism, and you say, well, it wasn't Obama or, or Bush or Trump, aren't they narcissists, Clinton? Well, I think Clinton and Trump are definitely high on the narcissistic scale, but they're functional, so they're not full-blown personality disorders, and there is a personality disorder called narcissistic personality disorder, but they're not sociopathic. They do have empathy for others, and they do know how to act appropriately in social settings. They just want to be the center of attention. But with the sociopath, if they can't get the attention, then they're out. They're gone. They'll go somewhere else, and they'll lie to achieve their own goals. They can be dangerous. They can perform dishonest and illegal acts, bank robbers, muggers, housebreakers, 
rapists, mass murderers, and they're just extremely difficult to deal with. They'll have pseudo-affect, that is, they'll pretend like they're sad or they're happy or they have some other emotion, they're empathetic or they're interested. But when we look at their brains with the PET scanner and the MRI in these situations, there's no real reaction. The galvanic skin responses that we see in normal people when they're in when they're shown emotionally charged situations, we can see the facial expressions in the sociopaths, but the galvanic skin response, the electrical activity of the skin and the sweating that is recorded is not there. Whereas you and me, normal people, it would be there. You know, we see something scary and our, our hair stands on end. We get the goosebumps. And we have a facial expression that goes along with that. But the sociopaths, they don't have that. They, they may have the facial expression that they have learned to put on, but there's no galvanic skin response. There's no physiologic response other than uh, a conscious effort to put on a face like an actor or an actress would. And so they can be very dangerous. And it's important to know if we find ourselves dealing with a sociopath, whether it's in an interpersonal relationship as a friend or a lover or a spouse or uh, a kid even, uh, a foster child, whatever, we need to know and, and recognize this. We need to know and recognize this in our leadership too because we need to know whether or not we can trust these people and vote for them or if they're going to act in their own self-interest and not in ours. And we look at dating situations, co-workers, employees, employers. And you got to pay close attention. And that's why uh, I tell a lot of women and some men who come to me and ask me what I think about a situation or a relationship. You got to be careful. You got to watch out. Is there empathy? Is there remorse? Do they lie about everything? Do they want to be the center of attention, even if it's in a negative way? Like uh, you take your kid's friend on vacation with you, teenager, and you're going to go see an exhibit at the Natural History Museum, and the kid says, that's on vacation with you, says, oh, I better not go because I don't want to interfere with you and your son's relationship, saying this to the parent. Wait a minute. You're not here to make those decisions as to whether or not my relationship with my son is a deciding factor in whether or not we're going to go to the Natural History Museum. Part of it is you're here too, and you have to be part of this. No, I don't want to. And in ways of manipulating the situation, drawing attention to themselves, and trying to mold the situation to what they want and what they see as a way of expressing their antisocial behavior, this makes it extremely difficult to deal with them. And I've seen this. And you say, well, they may just be trying to be thoughtful. Well, that's true. We have to stop and look at other signs. Uh, are they upset when you say, no, you got to come with us? And they say, I refuse. Well, you're a kid, you know, and I'm your, I'm your de facto parent during this vacation, so let's go. No, I'm not going to. 
Now, do they commit vile and harmful acts without remorse? And this goes back to the kids with the bedwetting, the fire setting, and the cruelty to animals. And you set a fire, and I think it says something about you. If you enjoy setting fires, if you enjoy burning things just for the pure pleasure of watching it burn without any sense of what you're burning down or whether or not it's right or wrong that you're doing what you're doing. That's different from going to a bonfire. Everybody loves to stand around a bonfire. There's something really fascinating about the flames and you get warm and there's comrades and um, there's communal interaction and relationships are enforced. But if you'd like to set a fire and if you like to do it to hurt somebody else, that's even more sociopathic just to see something burn, then something's wrong. And if there's no remorse when you get caught, and you say, well, you know, to yourself, there's nothing wrong with this. I enjoy it. So what do I care what other people feel? We see sociopaths physically abuse people publicly or privately humiliate them, remorseless about hurting other people's feelings or physically hurting them or killing them, lying, manipulating, stealing, property destruction, acting out in ways that are socially unacceptable and refusing to accept blame or responsibility and always try to rewrite the story to make it look like it's somebody else's fault. And we see this in leaders as well. We see the North Koreans without provocation shelling an island in South Korea and then turning it around and saying, well, it's justified because you did this, and it's your fault, not, not our fault. We just reacted. We're just defending ourselves. There's been no attempt to invade North Korea since the truce was signed in the 1950s. And yet the hierarchy, which in my opinion is sociopathic, continues to act in a way that tries to throw the responsibility back on South Korea and the United States. So refusal to accept responsibility or blame for wrong actions and to try and manipulate and blame others instead and willing to hurt anybody who stands in their way, sociopaths will do this. They don't care if you fall. If you're in their way, they're going to cut you down physically, financially, emotionally, whatever. They have no remorse about stealing money from their own family had a woman in the office last week and she was complaining about or explaining, I should say, not complaining about her daughter who, whose behavior was antisocial, alcohol and drug abuse, theft, in trouble with the law, hanging with a bad crowd. And I said, well, what are you going to do? She said, well, I have to accept it because no matter where I move, she'll find me. So, she has her daughter living with her and everything of value that could be stolen. She's taken out of the house and put into a safety deposit box at the bank. And she's raising her daughter's child. Who's now a teenager. And so sometimes it's just almost impossible to get away from them. I mean, it can be done. And unfortunately, just being a sociopath doesn't mean that we're not 
intelligent because there are intelligent sociopaths. You look at Ted Bundy, the guy did fine when he was in law school. I don't know if he finished or not. I can't remember. And he was very articulate and presented himself very well in court. But if you were a woman and you were alone with him, he became a vicious monster who enjoyed torturing and killing you. And we can see this in leadership. We can see it in in somebody like Kim Jong-un and the people that are immediately around him. He can be very ingratiating and and smiling and uh, cordial to other foreign visitors. And then he can turn around and have somebody executed for minimal reasons. Apparently one of his top generals fell asleep during one of his speeches and they had the guy killed. Willing to hurt anybody who stands in their way. You combine this with intelligence. Many sociopaths are highly successful people. And when you get to the extreme end of it, again, the sociopath may hurt people for sport. The Marquis de Sade, Ted Bundy, serial murderers. There are very few mass murderers in this genre, but they do exist. Most sociopaths just do as they please, and they don't care how it affects anybody. Again, they can be cruel to animals and show no remorse either, fascinated with fire and start fires for amusement. They lie when there's no reason to lie. So you have to watch for a constant stream of dishonesty. And if you see this in somebody you're in a relationship, be it personal or professional or work or whatever, you got to get away from them. And they're very comfortable going through their lives living and telling series of dishonesties. And they even become uncomfortable when they try to tell the truth, even if it won't harm them and may help them. Telling the truth puts them at great discomfort, and we can see the physiologic changes in the brain when this happens as well. And they may even, when caught in a major lie and a, a big problem, they may even confess everything with great pseudo-emotion in order to maintain your loyalty and beg forgiveness and say, I didn't mean to do it. And then they turn around and start their behavior all over. These are some of the major warning signs. And we see this even in leaders like Kim Jong-un and Hitler and Pol Pot and Mao, Stalin, the sociopaths will make up all kinds of lies about their their past history, their life, their biography. Tell you they went to Yale or Harvard when they didn't even graduate from college. So we have to look for inconsistencies in their stories, guys. We have to look to see if they're lying to us, if we can deal with them. And I'm, I'm putting this out there that we cannot deal with Kim Jong-un. We can't do it. There's just no way. The man has to be confined and put in jail along with his hierarchy. I'll be back in a minute. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Go grab you a cup of joe, and we'll get back on this. 
With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. The United Nations is warning that thousands of civilians are expected to flee ISIS-held Tal Afar and surrounding areas where Iraqi security forces have launched an operation today to retake the town. The UN's humanitarian coordinator for Iraq describes the situation inside Tal Afar as, quote, very tough, food and water are running out, people lack basic necessities. Spanish authorities say they've been unable to identify the remains in a house that exploded in Alcanar. This complicates the manhunt for the Barcelona attackers because they're not sure who is on the run. Authorities believe the house was occupied illegally by members of the extremist cell that carried out the two attacks. And comedian Dick Gregory, who broke racial barriers in the 1960s using humor to spread messages of social justice, has died. He was 84 years old. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill for West Coast Radiology. Our good friends at West Coast Radiology offer convenient and comprehensive x-ray diagnostics, including open MRI, CT scan, CT PET, mammography, and ultrasound. With state-of-the-art equipment and four convenient locations, you're assured of friendly, comprehensive care. Most insurance is accepted and competitive self-pay rates, plus Saturday appointments. Call West Coast Radiology at 727-771-2795 at 727-771-2795. Did you know the stock market is up over 250% in the past eight years? And some financial experts say we're only in the eighth year of a 20-year bull market. But what if the market takes a downturn? What will happen to your 401k? What will happen to your retirement nest egg? You remember 2008-2009 when your 401k dropped big time. Americans lost over $2.4 trillion, or over 25% of their investments. At philsgang.com, we teach you to keep your investments and to secure your financial future. With philsgang.com, you'll learn how to understand to invest in the stock market and how to keep the profits you work so hard for. Avoid the financial pain. Don't be exposed to losing your retirement nest egg. Take control and secure your investments with philsgang.com. Don't hesitate. Learn, invest, and make profits with philsgang.com. For more information, information, simply go to philsgang.com or call 877-600-GANG. That's 877-600-4264. Again, 877-600-4264. Saturday afternoons at 1215. Join Paul Porter and the home team for the Gaspers Company, McDonald's Restaurant's High School Athlete of the Week, honoring student-athletes making a positive impact in our community on and off the field. The Gaspers Company, McDonald's Restaurant, High School Athlete of the Week, is Strawberry Crest High School's Alicia Archer. The Casper's Company McDonald's Restaurant's High School Athlete of the Week, Saturday afternoons at 12.15 during the home team on AM 860. The answer. Mainly cloudy with a couple of showers and a heavy thunderstorm around this afternoon. Today's high, 92. Cloudy tonight, low 79. Clouds and breaks of sunshine with a shower or a thunderstorm tomorrow, high 92. Partly cloudy tomorrow night, low 78. That's your Iraqi weather forecast. I'm Jonathan Reed for AM 860, The Answer.
I'm back with a little bit of, I guess that's on Enrique Iglesias, who is singing Love to See You Cry, loves to hurt his girlfriend, and that's some of the behavior we're talking about. Uh, I, uh, I'm trying to tie this in with the behavior of Kim Jong-un and why we're going to have a hard time, if not an impossible time, dealing with him directly. Uh, it's It's not going to work. It's not going to work, not because... We're not capable, but because he's a sociopath and he doesn't have the the uh, the normal human emotional and intellectual responses to situations that you and I have, and so we, of course, we have leaders who are are problematic, and we can all say that Bill Clinton and and our current president are a little high on the narcissistic scale, but they still can be effective. And they can still have empathy and they can still uh, feel what other people are feeling and respond appropriately in settings where there's pain or suffering. A classic example of a sociopath and their inability to not only empathize with but even take any responsibility for their actions is the example of Charles Manson who said, Quote, I've never killed anyone. I don't need to kill anyone, end quote. And he said this in reference to the fact that his followers killed for him. So he manipulated them into killing for him and took pleasure in being able to manipulate people into life and death situations. And this is the extreme end of antisocial behavior. He also has some underlying psychiatric problems that are uh, physical and inherited Another thing we can see with sociopaths is that they can remain calm in spite of uh, very dire circumstances, that they don't have the same emotional reaction and the highly emotional state that you and I would feel when there is, for instance, a, a van that drives through a crowd and kills people and injures people, and we run and, and hide and feel terrified and then we come out and see the damage that's done and and we're horrified and we feel empathy you know the sociopath may get out of the way but he may not have or she may not have the same responses of fear and terror and then of uh, dismay and and sorrow and disbelief you know they just don't have that so they stay eerily calm and in spite of certain circumstances and a sad movie that would affect you or me is not going to affect them. I think we see the same thing with Kim Jong-un. He just does not display the appropriate emotions for the situation that he's confronted with. So he has his uncle killed and his brother killed and his reaction is just to deny it and to say, Oh, I don't know anything about that. You know, I wouldn't do that. I'm not a monster. And yet he has over 100,000 people basically enslaved in concentration camps. And recently, one of the uh, Korean-Canadian ministers was released after we had put pressure on China a couple of weeks ago. And the Chinese had gone and said, you don't have a choice. You've got to back down and you need to release and show that you have some good faith in negotiating with the Americans and South Koreans and Japanese, because if you don't behave, we're not going to come in and help you. So the 
the Chinese put them in jail, so to speak, and said, here's what you have to do or else. And so those kinds of ultimatums are what sociopaths respond to, especially if they know there's incarceration and loss of freedom or and or execution involved with their malbehavior. So when you're looking at somebody and saying, is this guy, is he, for me, I mean, he doesn't really seem to react. He's very glib and, and, and socially gracious, not always appropriately, but he can put on a face, but then it quickly falls apart. We need to look at that. Are they anxious or nervous? When you're anxious and nervous? Now, granted, there's going to be a difference between on the big bell curve between men and women. But we know those differences and we know how our own gender reacts and we can see that and we know how we react to the other gender when something happens. And we can even do it secondhand. I come home and I tell my wife about some difficult situation that's going on and she expresses the appropriate sorrow or dismay or concern. And so we have to check those things before we get involved with somebody. So if we say to Kim Jong-un or Hitler, look, you just killed 10,000 people for no reason, and they say, well, they were bad people. They were Jews or they were uh, against the government or they fell asleep during my speech. You know, something's not right here. There's a disconnect there, and we have to say to ourselves, this ain't right, dude. You're not hitting on all eight. And then they can try to justify further or deny that they had anything to do with it. That was my underlings. I didn't authorize that uh, once they're caught to try and get out of it. And we saw that at the Nuremberg trials where Goering and Keitel and, and a number of the high-ranking officers in the German army said, well, we were just following orders. Or I didn't do that. That was my men that carried it out. It came from Hitler. Or that... Himmler said that, or Goebbels made us do it. Well, nobody makes us do anything. I mean, yes, it's hard to argue at the tip of a gun when you have it pointed in your face, but you can. I mean, we did for our revolution against Great Britain. And there are times when we go into situations knowing that it's not going to be a good outcome but we have to believe that we're doing it for a good cause and that we're going to give it our best effort, whether it's trying to negotiate with North Korea or manning the lines in World War II and fighting the Battle of the Bulge. And we know that some of us are not going to make it back, and we know that we may not get where we want to get in our negotiations with North Korea, but at least we've put forward the effort and the appropriate response to the situation so that when others look at us, they say, well, you know, you're okay, but the other side, something's wrong here. And we have to have that when we go into negotiations because then we can say, look, they're not right. This is a criminal regime and they're dabbling in all kinds of illegal activities to make money and they have no remorse and no empathy for other people, even their own people, and they have to be taken down. 
And the Chinese, who are evolving, from what I can see, their leadership is evolving. And by the way, I've been reading the the uh, the People's Daily, the Daily Worker, uh, in English and from the Chinese papers. And it's interesting to see how they are responding and reacting to the North Korean situation. Of course, a big part of the Oriental culture, and and to a certain extent, any any human interaction, is saving face and saying, well. You know, I'm not completely responsible, or you do have some responsibility in this. And for a lot of people, that's probably what they feel, that the United States and South Korea have some responsibility for the existence of North Korea. Yes, it's true. Even though it may have been a defensive move on our part and on South Korea's part, there is a North Korea, and it is what it is. And so they'll grab onto that and say, well, the Americans are just being uh, – too boastful or they're too prideful or uh, they're they're rattling sabers when there's no need to and all that. Nevertheless, when you read between the lines of the People's Daily Worker, the, the official Chinese newspaper, you can see that they are responding to pressure from us to go in and corral the North Korean leadership. And that's what you have to do. I mean, we cannot sit down at the negotiating table with these people. We're going to try if we can get them to come to the table. But they don't want to come to the table because they don't want to get caught in lies and in doing things that the world considers outrageous and illegal and crimes against humanity. And with that in mind, we approach the situation and we say, okay, here's what we have to do on our part. Here's what we have to do, and you see this with a good divorce lawyer, the same thing. He'll say, you don't do anything until the other person does something, then you match it. We see this in the generalship of our armies, and we have been very restrained throughout our history. Does that mean that individual soldiers and uh, field commanders haven't done bad things? Of course not. You know, that's just the way it is. There are people that are bad no matter what, whether they're doctors or military people or radio show hosts. Of course, I'm excluded from that. But there are sociopaths and people with antisocial personality traits that are strong enough to be expressed in situations where they're not appropriate and where things are done wrong. But look at Lincoln in the Civil War. His cabinet said, you've got to declare war on the South. You have to go in there and subdue the rebellion. And Lincoln said, we don't do anything until they do something. And then with the takeover of the fort in Charleston's Harbor, South Carolina, we saw Lincoln then react and say, well, now that's an act of aggression. That's an act of war. The United States held back in World War II. FDR did not come to Congress and say we need to declare war. He prepared the country for war and said it's going to happen. But we did not declare war until we were checked by the Japanese. We did not go into the Middle East until 9-11. And that's what we consider a healthy emotional response that we do not agree with Hitler. We do not agree with Kim Jong-un. We do not agree with radical Islam, but we're not going to take the fight to them until they injure us, till they attack us. 
Well, with Kim Jong-un, that's already foregone. He has attacked us. He's attacked South Korea. They seized one of our ships in the 1960s that came too close to their quote-unquote territorial waters. They've imprisoned our sailors. They've imprisoned our citizenry. They've imprisoned South Korean citizens. We even saw the recent episode a few weeks back where the one kid was arrested and found guilty and sentenced to hard labor and apparently had cardiac arrest or some other situation. Maybe he was waterboarded and choked and became asphyxic, didn't get oxygen to his brain, and he came back brain dead and eventually he died. These kinds of things are direct attacks on you and me and our country and South Korea, who's a close ally, and the Japanese, who've had people kidnapped from their country and held prisoner in North Korea for up to four or five decades now. And so we really don't need any further excuses to go in, but we do need to make sure that before we have to go in, we explore and exhaust all options, as we would in any relationship in marriage. If, if one spouse is disgruntled and unhappy, not happy, and the other one says, well, let's try and fix it. Let's do this or that. Let's go to counseling. Let's see if we can work it out. We have to go through all the steps. And I think that the administration is acting appropriately, and we have to put pressure on somebody who does have more influence over or is better equipped to contain the personalities and their abnormal behavior. And so we pushed China to do this, and we saw the North Koreans back down on the missile launch at uh, Guam. And we saw their rhetoric slow down a little bit. But it'll come right back, and that's the thing with sociopaths. They may turn left just to make it look like they're going to turn left, but once they think that you've forgotten about it, they're going to turn right back around and continue to do what they're doing. It's not an easy situation. When you have a sociopath as a, as a friend or a spouse or a partner or a lover or a child or a parent, it's tough. And it's just as tough at a national level when you're dealing with somebody else who is antisocial or a regime that is antisocial, sociopathic, psychopathic, mass murderers. Not easy, folks. We've got a big task ahead of us, and these, these people are headed quickly towards being able to launch nuclear weapons. I know that we're supposed to be talking about Charlottesville and all the protests and all that, but those are, those are distractions. The main thing there is to remember that we have freedom of speech. But this, this is something that threatens the world. It threatens us directly. It threatens South Korea and Japan directly. And it will drag down China as well. So let's... Let's put on our thinking caps and get behind the administration. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, and I'll see you guys next week. Yay, here we go. Are you ready now? What do you think about it? Here we go. $100 is bid. $200 now. Three $300 bid. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.